Welcome to Nano Matters, the podcast that explores examples of nanotechnology. I'm Lisa Friedersdorf, Director of the National Nanotechnology Coordination Office. Here with me today is Heather Clark, Professor of Bioengineering and Chemistry at Northeastern University and Director of the Institute for Chemical Imaging of Living Systems. Heather, can you tell us a little bit about your research? Sure. I create nanosensors for basically illuminating the chemistry of the body. And so each one of these sensors is a nanoscale tool that combines a recognition element, some molecule that binds our molecule of interest. And because it doesn't usually have a signal itself, we pair it with a reporter to report on whether or not that binding event has happened. And then we create novel scaffolds to hold it all together. Because if we want to image in the body, we need to have some sort of device to hold this together so it can work as a tool. And we apply those all the way from benchtop studies through animal imaging to basically illuminate events in real time so that we understand what's going on and where and with real-time information. You mentioned the reporter in illuminating events. So is that reporter a molecule that lights up or fluoresces when it sees a certain action? Absolutely. So we try to come at this from a design requirement perspective. And we think about what problem are we trying to solve? And that will usually tell us whether or not we need to use an imaging modality such as MRI or uh, fluorescence. And so, for instance, if we need to make a very sensitive measurement in a small area, we need to use fluorescence because that's what it does really well. And so we would design a reporter that would report using fluorescent signal and it would modulate in response to what's going on with the binding event. So if your sensors are able to detect these molecules, what information do you get from that? For instance, we are interested in measuring acetylcholine. And this is a biomolecule that is released from the nervous system when it communicates with the organs of your body, such as telling your heart to beat or your bladder to function. And so what we can do is bind to that acetylcholine molecule, degrade it with our recognition element, and then report that byproduct with our fluorescent reporter. So the fluorescence goes up and down as acetylcholine goes up and down. And that gives us a quantitative signal of what's happening in that communication between the nerve and the organ. So if you can understand in real time the communication between the nervous system and organ, how do you use that information? So we're part of an initiative that is looking for ways to develop therapeutics for treating organ dysfunction. And our role in that is to give this real-time readout of the biomarker that's released. And so they know that if they apply their therapeutic and not much biomarker is released, then they need to up their dose of therapeutic to get into the right level of of biomarker release. And so it's that real-time feedback that will allow them to get therapeutic dosing information in real time, which could then be applied to personalized medicine. Why are the therapeutics being developed? What types of diseases or conditions would this apply to? Yeah, so it is an area of electrical therapeutics. So basically using electrodes to stimulate the nerve. And I think that good examples of this are bladder dysfunction 
or heart disease where we might need intervention in order to, let's say, you know, help the function of the bladder or keep the heart beating at a regular pace. And so these are potential therapies that could be implanted and then just stimulate the nerve. So can you share where you think this technology and this type of sensor will be used in the future? I think that it's obviously we're very excited about measuring acetylcholine, um, but we want to measure more and more analytes, uh, more and more molecules, other neurotransmitters that are released. But really what we would love to be able to do is measure a lot of biomarkers in the body, right? Because we know that just one system doesn't work alone, right? And so that the body is interconnected. So if we could measure more and more biomarkers in different systems, let's say how the immune system interacts with the nervous system, then we could really start to illuminate these biochemical processes in the body and how everything is interlaced, basically. And you mentioned precision medicine. So the information that you can get with this technique and and working with people who are developing the therapeutics, they can be adjusted to the individual. Is that what you mean by precision medicine? Yeah, that's what we hope, that someday that this could be adjusted to the individual, or at the very least, that we know enough about what should be happening in a healthy person that we can easily identify when somebody is not responding in the same way, and that maybe this is a sign of disease. But then, you know, if there is that disease, maybe we can just increase the therapeutic dose a little and then have it be more effective for that individual. It would be the ultimate in being able to just very quickly treat disease more effectively. And can you share hurdles or challenges that you've encountered as you've developed this technology? I think that one of the interesting things about developing tools for measurement in the body is that the body is really very good at clearing foreign material from the system. I mean, it's what our bodies are designed to do. And so kind of always fighting that degradation of materials in the body is is our challenge every day. So is the sensor, is it a probe that's implanted or is it temporarily placed or how does the sensor itself work in the body? We've got these elements, these sensing elements, and we've tethered them to a little piece of DNA, basically. And that little piece of DNA then tethers to the area that we're trying to make a measurement in. It makes its measurement for a certain amount of time. And then we actually work you know, with the processes of the body that will degrade it and then it'll just get cleared from the system. So it is for making short term, you know, a few day measurements and then get cleared from the system so that it's not implanted forever. Where do you intend to take your research next? So the next step for my group is working on biomarkers in the immune system. I think that certainly the immune system is an important piece of the overall map of the body. And so as we have tools to map out the nervous system, to then be able to concurrently map out the immune system and then start to piece those together. And then we would like to add on the next piece and the next piece and eventually be able to have the tools to create an atlas of the signaling of the body. So when you're talking about looking at the immune system, are you are you looking at things like inflammation and allergic reactions, those types of situations? Absolutely. Right now, we're very interested in cytokine release. I think certainly during COVID, we know how important that has been. What's interesting with cytokines, and COVID was really a hallmark of this, is that They're released to fight disease, but every now and then they would go into a storm, right, and overproduce. And then that really was very hard, right? So you can 
administer therapeutics to suppress the immune system or to support it. And so knowing where you are in that release of cytokines would then be really informative to how you place your treatment. And so to give kind of a real-time readout, I think would be exciting. And that would be something that your sensors might be able to do is to do a real-time measurement of where you are in this storm, as they called it? Yes, we are aiming at a real-time monitoring of at least three elements of that storm and hoping that that mapped together will tell you where you are in that curve, right? And then inform researchers on whether to suppress the immune system or support it in order to treat an individual. And that was something, as you mentioned, that we've seen during the pandemic. Are there other diseases that have that overreaction of the immune system? So the answer is maybe. Um, So (laughs) I think that it's a little bit of a chicken and an egg problem that we know the importance of these biomarkers, but because they're not measured on a continuous basis right now, we don't really know that this is going to be the answer, right? So I think it speaks to the importance of having new tools, right? So what are those new tools going to enable? And it could be revolutionary. Can you imagine a time where you mentioned that your sensors now will take measurements for maybe a couple of days and then are passed through the system? Can you imagine a time where you have continuous monitoring of some of these biomarkers? Definitely. Because we have this ability to measure for a short time and then have them cleared from the system, you could imagine if somebody was in the emergency room or the ICU, you could monitor their stats for a certain amount of time um, and then be able to inform treatment, um, diagnosis of disease, and then you know, as they've been treated, as things get cleared from the system. I think it could be very interesting what we would learn. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time. I find this really fascinating, and I wish you a lot of luck mapping the biomarkers of the human body. Do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? I think that every time a new tool is developed, it has been enabling for groups of researchers. And I think that the exciting frontier for tool builders like us is really We can imagine what could happen, but I think the really exciting part is once we get these into the hands of other people to see what really does happen, what they can unlock with every single new tool that's developed. 